Hi, I'm Lily Jovetic, and you are listening to College Hockey Talk. What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of College Hockey Talk. I'm your host, Matthew, and thank you so much for listening to today's episode. And on today's podcast, I am joined by a very special guest as I welcome back on the podcast, Lily Jovetic from the Northeastern Women's Hockey Team. In this episode, we talk about many things, including how our sophomore year is going, um, getting the chance to play in the bean pot. We also have some fun in the non-hockey segment as well. However, before we get to any of that, I'd just like to ask if you can please follow this podcast whether it's on Instagram or Twitter at College Hockey Talk. You can also watch this entire interview on our YouTube channel at College Hockey Talk, where you can also watch older interviews from this podcast as well. Make sure you follow us on Spotify and subscribe to our Apple Podcast page as well and leave a rating and review. Doing these things helps the podcast grow, helps new people find us, and I truly appreciate it if you did those things. It means a lot to myself. Now, without further ado, here's today's episode with Lily. I hope you guys enjoy it. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of College Hockey Talk. On today's podcast, I am joined by sophomore from the Northeastern Women's Hockey Team, Lily Jovetic. Uh, welcome to the welcome back to the podcast, Lily, and thank you so much for coming back on. And how's everything going with yourself? Hi, yeah, thanks for having me. I love this podcast, and obviously, when you reached out and asked if I'd come back on, uh, there's no hesitation there, and everything's been going good. How are you doing? I'm doing well, you know, and try to enjoy the new year as much as I can and just have some time with some family since I'm on winter break right now. Oh, that's awesome. That's super great. Now, how has your new year been so far? And I guess, um, when did you get back to Northeastern and um, how was your holiday break, I guess, being in California? Uh, my holiday break was awesome. We got three weeks off, which was super big. I don't think anyone at Northeastern has ever had that long of a break. And I got back to school, I believe, the 31st. And so I've only been here for a couple of days, but it's been good. We've been practicing. So it's nice to get back into a routine for sure. And must, I feel bad for you just because the weather in Boston has not been great. I don't think I've seen the sun since before Christmas Eve. So that must have sucked for you a little bit to get back to kind of gloomy weather. Um, to be completely honest, it actually was raining the whole time back in Los Angeles, which is super rare. Oh, so wow. I'm kind of used to this weather and mm-hmm. I don't mind it anymore. <laughs> just a little bit colder here, I assume, than um, back at home. Yeah, just a little bit. Not a lot, though. It's been pretty cold in California, which is very weird. Yeah. Well, that's, that's good that you enjoyed your holiday break and three weeks off. And I had to represent California. I'm wearing my Coachella oh, Valley sweatshirt. Like so, it. um, I can't wait for that team to go to Palm Springs. I think next year it should be fun, but I had to represent California. It seems like the hockey there is growing and it's awesome to see. Yeah, for sure. Now, how's everything going for yourself hockey wise? Uh, you just finished up the first half of your season. Um, how would you evaluate your team's performance as of now? And what have you taken away, I guess, from the games you've played so far? Um, I would say that so far um, the season's going well. Um, obviously with a huge roster or roster of 30, it's very competitive and creates a competitive environment, which can be a little stressful at times, but, um, I'd say it's pretty good. You're always having to put your best foot forward. And I've learned a lot as a person, as a player, and 
I'm excited for our team to continue to accomplish our goals because I, I think we're I think we're doing pretty good so far. Do you like that competing with your own teammates to get a roster spot? Because I feel like that helps you out when game day comes comes around just because you're used to being in that high level of competition in practice. So it's kind of an easy transition being in game day mode, I guess. Um, yeah, I think I think it's a little difficult when you're competing with your friends for a spot for sure. But to kind of take it out of the hockey perspective, you're going to be competing for people for jobs and for different opportunities. So it's definitely taught us all really great life skills that we're going to continue to carry on for the rest of our lives. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think I, and this could totally be an unpopular opinion, but I think our practices for me personally are more difficult than games because you're going against people, you know what they're going to do, you know you're, what they're capable of, and they also know the same systems that you know and do it to a T. So it just, it's, it's near impossible to just walk right through someone or to stop someone coming down on you for sure. Now, how are you approaching the second half of the season? You have some big games coming up in your schedule. Um, what are your team's goals and expectations for the second half? Obviously, to win a hockey's championship, but um, is there any other goals your team might have? Yeah, I mean, my team, we really just go game by game and period by period. So it's always about winning the period, coming out fast, and playing a full 60 minutes. So to be very blunt, our goal is to win every game. Um, but I just think we've kind of begun to tap in of how capable we are same roster, same team as last year with a few additions that have really helped us. But um, yeah, I just, I think it's just continuing to play a full 60 minutes and um, continue to grow that chemistry between the team. Now, how is your approach, I guess, different from this season from last year, just because you made it all the way to the national championship game last year, has your approach been pretty similar to last year, uh, the way you're approaching the regular season, or has it been a little bit different after having that experience? I think a little bit different. Um, I felt like last year we knew how good we were, but not to the point where like, okay, yeah, like sitting back in September, November, we know we're going to make it to the Frozen Four. It was just kind of like, okay, we're going to win, just keep winning, keep winning. And now it's like, okay, like we set the bar this high and this is where we need to go in order to feel like we've accomplished our goals. Now, obviously the tournament has been expanded to 11 teams. I just want to get your thoughts on that. And how does that like change your approach when the hockey's playoffs comes about? And how do you think it's going to affect your team? Um, because it seems like it's great news just from talking to other women's hockey players about it. But I'm not, I'm kind of unfamiliar with how it's going to affect the tournament. And obviously you would know more than I would. Yeah, I mean, I just think it gives more opportunities for teams to get in with that extra buy. Um, and also, I believe you play, depending on where you see, you have the ability to play a game at home. So kind of home rank advantage, for sure. But I'm kind of in the same boat. My teammates and I have talked about it very briefly, but I'm not 100% sure what that's going to do. Obviously, give more teams um, an opportunity to compete in the Frozen Four, which I think is always very exciting, and just make it more competitive, which obviously is always great. Mm -hmm. I do like the fact that they add more teams because I think, like you said, it makes them more competitive, but also helps those programs grow and get that national tournament experience, which will ultimately, I think, help grow women's hockey in the future. So I think that's great. But I did hear that they're going to do it for this year's tournament, but I'm not sure what the bracket's going to look like. So I guess I got to do a little more research on that. Yeah, I do too, though. I have I have no idea. I just show up and I just get play the told. games. Yeah. <laughs> Now talk about some of the new players on your team. You have a few freshmen. You have Maddie Mills, who's a transfer from Cornell. Um, talk about the impact they've made to your team and um, just talk about how you've helped their transition into college hockey regarding the freshmen as well, just because they're a small class like your class was last year. Um, yeah, Maddie Mills, just to start off, is an ex 
outstanding player on and off the ice. She just in the locker room just brings such a great energy and vibe that I think everyone feeds off, but also on the ice, she just holds herself like she's played in college for as long as she has, which I think kind of helps us um, kind of lean on her and um, just hearing what she has to say about the league because she has been in for so long is just really helpful. I know I've picked her brain a couple of times just about men mental preparation, even skill work. And so she's been super helpful in that regard. Um, and then just going off of um, talking about the freshmen, um, they're all awesome, really great personalities, really great kids. Um, Sky Irving has been awesome. She's just super loud on the ice and really brings an exciting energy, young energy that some of us need sometimes. And then Tori and Taylor are two outstanding defensemen and very great people as well. I think they um, do a really great job coming in every day and competing and really trying to make a name for themselves, which is super respectful and super awesome to see. And then Paige, the freshman goalie, is super great, super sweet kid. And I just, I think she's been a great addition to the team as well. Yeah, and talking about Maddie, I think one thing about her game that's impressed me a lot is just the energy she brings each and every game. She's kind of like the energizer bunny. And I feel like part of that's just because she didn't have a season last year. So she's extra motivated to get to that national championship game and win it just like you guys are, which is cool to see how that chemistry works. Yeah, 100%. And a lot of the girls knew her before, um, which is really awesome too. So it's bringing an old friend into um, like the squad, the team, which is super cool and definitely helped out uh, with the team chemistry. Now, talking about your game, what do you think has been the biggest improvement you've made um, to your game this year? Um, I think for myself, I've gotten a little more aggressive, popping up in the rush a little more, being a little more offensive. And I just find that being a sophomore, not being a freshman, the margin of error is a lot smaller. And so it kind of forces you to become more of your player, not worrying too much about the systems because you know the systems at this point. And it's like, okay, like, what do I bring to the table? Like, I'm here for a reason. So what can I do to sprinkle my little Liliotich flair on, on my play? Now, another thing that's happened this year that didn't happen last year was fans were back at Matthews. Obviously, that won't happen, at least for the foreseeable future in the second half of the season. But what was it like to have fans back at Matthews and have the dog pound um, back as well? Because that seemed pretty cool because uh, you never had that experience last year. Yeah, no, it's it's been super cool. Um, it's really cool also for our families to come and visit because those are mostly who our fans consist of. Um, and I don't know, it's I can't even describe the feeling of seeing your parents up in the stands and knowing that everything that they've done, driving to the rink, all the money they've put for you to play youth hockey. And this is your opportunity to show them like, Hey, like mom and dad, like we've made it like, and I don't know, it's, it's pretty amazing experience that we didn't get last year, but I think we all constantly and really needed was that um, support system for sure. Yeah, no hockey parents. Like I've always said on the podcast are the best parents and, I feel like as I've gotten older, I've, I've more appreciated more of what my parents did for me when I was younger, just because when you're younger, you kind of don't realize it. Um, but just like all the hours that they put in, because like practices, at least for me, were like really early in the morning, sometimes late at night. And the way my parents, especially my dad, kind of worked it around his work schedule was pretty amazing. And just the money that he put in as well was amazing as well. And I'm assuming you can attest to that. It's just pretty amazing what hockey parents do to help their kids succeed. Oh, 100%. I think it takes a special type of person and parent to do what they do. And to like, I don't know, my parents are so emotionally invested. They, they feel every win and every loss. And I don't know, it's an emotional roller coaster, but they never got off. And I just 
think that's pretty amazing. And I'm, I'm proud to have parents like that for sure. Now, is it going to be kind of weird to not have fans back at home games for you? And when do you think that's going to change? Is Because I heard it could be temporary, but I'm not sure. Um, I'm hoping it's going to be temporary. Um, we have just been informed that we're allowed to have um, four immediate family members um, in the stands. So I think that will be nice to have it a little packed. I think it will be a little different just because we've been used to having um, the marching band and the student body in there for sure to add that extra energy for us to feed off of during the game. But um, we did it last year, so we'll be able to do it again this year. But it's definitely something that we will miss. Yeah, hopefully fans will come back towards the end of the month. That's just me being an optimist, but uh, we'll just have to wait and see. Especially with the dog pound, too, because I was watching some of the Cornell game, and I don't know if you noticed this, but they had the naughty list with Santa and yeah. they had all the players for Cornell on it. That's That took a lot of dedication. I thought that was pretty awesome. Oh, 100%. I thought it was super cool. Cornell actually ended up stealing it, too, which I thought was so funny. But, um, no, yeah, we loved that list. We were dying laughing when we saw it. <laughs> they took the list? I didn't know that. Yeah, they took it. We saw it on someone's TikTok, and we're like, oh, my God. <laughs> I didn't know they can take that. That seems like a lot of, like, paper to fit in the bus but yeah (laughs) (laughs) well kudos to them i gotta ask someone from that team i didn't hear about that that's pretty cool definitely ask that's so funny now your team has had some important wins this year that i kind of want to discuss as well you beat teams like boston college cornell obviously you got a big wins against princeton on the road and you also had a big win against uconn i feel like uconn always plays your team very tough by the way but uh how important were those wins for your team um in the first half of the season and how are you going to use those wins heading into the second half of the season? Um, well, I just think it's super important for us mentally as well as it is physically to prepare for our um, games to come. Playing BC is always a super emotional game. And so we kind of really pop off in those just because it's so personal for some reason, we just really dislike them only on the ice. They're great ladies off the ice, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, I just think, losing those two games uh, against Providence and BU kind of put us in a hole and we we're like, all right, like if we want to do it, like we need to win from here on out. And I just think that really kind of set the fire underneath us to go out and to play UConn as well, or as great as they are to just go out and play Northeastern hockey the way we know how to do it. And I think we did that. And I think it's great to just have those in our back pocket leading into uh, the second half of the season. Yeah, I wanted to kind of talk about those games in the beginning of the year because your team kind of faced some adversity, losing to BU on the road and then also losing to Providence. Just talk about what you learned in those games and how you used them um, heading into the rest of the first half of the season because I think in, you noticed it in the game against when you played Providence again that you, it felt like you kind of were motivated to kind of show them what Northeastern hockey is really like. Oh, 100%. I just think we kind of walked into – those games with the mindset that, hey, we made it to the Frozen Four, we beat Providence in the Hockey East Championship, we're good, like we can just rely on our skill, but that's not how it is. Any, It's anyone's game every time you step into the rink. And so I just think it reminded us that we are, our competitors, our competitors are unreal and we're unreal. We just need to tap into what we know and work harder than them and not get lazy and not try to rely on the players that always show up for us, but be have like a collective effort which I think is sometimes something we forget now last podcast I asked you about how you guys how your team kind of handled the pressure of being a ranked team and being one of the top ranked teams in the country and you said how you got your team didn't really focus on the rankings you kind of focused on what you could control as a team now I kind of want to ask you again 
how does your team handle the pressure of being a ranked team, especially since the season's a little bit different from last year, just because there's certain restrictions that are not in place as they were last year, but also your team plays some non-conference games in the regular season. But is it still the same strategy, I guess, of not really focusing on the rankings and kind of control what your team can control? Yeah, hundred percent. Not much has changed in that regard. I don't think I've ever heard my coaches mention where we've ever been ranked and it's probably just spoken the most about uh, within the players, but um, no, yeah, we just, it's game by game. Like, okay, like we're facing so-and-so this week. What do we need to do to prepare prepare for that instead of, okay, like we need to win this game, this game, this game in order to um, get here and reach our goals, which I, which I think is awesome for us and allows us to really focus on what we need to do and, um, come ready to play when the games come. Now, how have you learned to both balance school and academic, or school and hockey this year, especially since school is back in person uh, learning, for at least for now, I think? Yeah, um, it was definitely a challenge for me. Um, I've always been the type of student that could show up and could get decent grades, and especially last year when the tests were online. Um, it just, it wasn't, you didn't really have to prepare as much as you do now, and so this is kind of my first year of college. And I have definitely struggled at first, but have learned that I need to be efficient with my time because we have so little free time. And it just forced me to kind of work smarter, not necessarily harder, and just hone in on the study skills that I'm trying to perfect. And also, I just find those skills will help me out when I um, get out of college. So definitely a plus, but um, school's hard. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I can attest to you on that. This was my first, my, technically I'm a sophomore in college, but this was my first year um, doing in-person learning. And I think the toughest adjustment actually was taking tests in person just because I've been taking online tests for so long. And I kind of had a strategy of how to do online tests and to kind of get back to doing an in-person test was very difficult, especially in a class like math where, you know, it's real, you really have to do, there was a lot, I guess, to focus on. Yeah. And there's a lot of distractions, I guess, um, online when you're taking tests and you still have those distractions, but in a different kind of setting. So that was yeah. something I really had to adjust to. And I totally agree with you. It took a little bit, but, you know, I passed this semester, got good grades. So nothing, uh, nothing to kind of got through it for at least for this semester. That's awesome. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Like just hearing people like flip in my calculus class, like over to the back of the page when I'm still on the first page, which just it was like a new kind of anxiety that I hadn't felt in a really long time. That definitely affected my performance, but I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just like you trying to figure it out. And yeah. Well, you made it through. So that's all that counts. Very true, yes. Yeah, I think the biggest anxiety is when, like, someone finishes their test and, like, you're still in question, like, 10, and it's just like, oh, my gosh, because I'm a slow test taker, so I take my time, and that's just the worst feeling ever. And I know it shouldn't affect me at all, but it just – it still does. Yeah, no, I completely agree. (laughs) Now, obviously, having classes in person this year, being a a sophomore as well, having more game experience, what's the biggest thing you've learned about yourself as a hockey player uh, for this season? Um, I would definitely just say even keel. I've learned to not um, kind of feel too high or too low every week. Um, it's anyone's it's anyone's opportunity to get into the get into the lineup or be taken out of the lineup, and so kind of just to go into every practice with a positive attitude and continue to remind myself what I bring to the table and just start to build my confidence as I um, end my sophomore year and approach my junior year. Now, do you have any personal goals for the second half of the season, or is it kind of just felt kind of in t- kind of going sides with the, the team goals? Yeah, I mean, obviously, with the team, like I just want us to tap into 
how I think we should be playing. Or I think everyone would agree, like, we are so good, and I just don't think we have really proven that yet. And um, I don't know, for, for myself personally, I haven't scored my first collegiate goal yet, so that's definitely, like, a little, a little goal, like, in the corner um, after, obviously, the team's goals. Um, but yeah, that's just a small little personal goal of mine. <laughs> yeah. Well, I like to call people that come on the college hockey talk on podcast after they leave the podcast, I call it the college hockey talk bump. And usually after the episodes released, they have some sort of big game. So hopefully maybe after this episode is released, the first goal can come and um, I, don't, I don't know. I think it's going to happen in the second half of the season. I'll be rooting for you on that. Thank you. <laughs> Now, you, something else you get to do this year is you get to play in your first bean pot. How excited are you for that? And what have the older players told you about the bean pot? And what do you know about the bean pot since you aren't from Boston? I'm just curious if you heard about it at all before heading to Northeastern. Yeah, I've heard that it's just like a lot of my teammates have just said that the bean pot in their own eyes like felt bigger than the frozen four. Like it is just such a huge tournament and all eyes are on you and it's super exciting. And they just said it's like playoff hockey in the way that everything is kind of thrown out the window. It's a lot rougher. It's a lot quicker. It's a lot more skilled and it's like emotions are way higher, which I think is super cool and definitely something I'm really excited to experience. Oh yeah. I'm so pumped for the bean pot to come back. Like I'm, I'm from Boston. So it's something I definitely missed from last year. And I kind of compare it to the Minnesota high school hockey tournament where that's like super huge in that area of the country. And I feel like the bean pot similar, just, every Monday and Tuesday in February. It's just like, those are such big games. And last year's bean pot final was so much fun to watch, especially since Northeastern won it. So um, no, it's, um, it's going to be exciting. I'm excited for you to experience it too. Um, I think that's, that's one cool thing about is seeing the players for the first experiencing the first bean pot and kind of seeing like how cool it is. Yeah, no, I understand. Agree. And I appreciate that. I'm, I'm super excited. It's going to be super cool. No, Northeastern's also hosting it this year, if I'm not mis- if I'm not mistaken. So is that's gonna be cool as well. Yeah. Oh my god. I love playing Matthews. There's no feeling like going out in your own rink. And so I'm I'm super excited. It's gonna just only add to the experience for sure. And it's gonna add to the motivation as well because I know your team does not want to see a team like BU or BC win a trophy in your home rink. That must oh my god, no. that, that would not be a good feeling. So no, I told I think that's gonna to add to the I guess the energy level in those games as well. Hundred percent, yeah. Now one question I didn't ask you last time you're on the podcast was about your head coach, Dave Flint. He seems like a kind of a quiet guy, but a really smart hockey guy as well. I just want to ask you, what's it like? being um, coached by him and what have you learned by him for your first two years uh, with Northeastern? Yeah I mean I think you hit the nail right in the head he's a super quiet guy but knows a crap ton about hockey. Um, I feel like I've gotten to know him a lot more than I did last year. I started to do video with him at different times and he's just super blunt and tells you not necessarily what you want to hear but what you need to hear and I think that's a quality that a lot of coaches don't necessarily possess and he doesn't focus on necessarily the highs but he really just drives down what we need to do and I don't know I just think he's very even keel and doesn't get crazy on the bench and doesn't get crazy at practice and I think that's something for us um, as female athletes is something that we really need someone that's not too emotional but knows um, what we need to do to get business done and I don't know, he just runs the team so professionally. And I'm, it's been a pleasure and an honor to be coached by him. And I'm excited to uh, continue that. 
Now, another teammate I want to ask you about is Lauren McKinnis, just because watching your team play this year, I feel like she's a player that not many people talk about, but she has such a huge impact on why your team's been successful for the past few years. You've played with her for two years now. What's she like as a teammate, both on and off the ice, but what have you learned from her as a defender um, in college hockey? Because I feel like she's probably taught you so much about the position just because she does a lot of the little things correctly. Oh, hundred percent. I like, I love Laura. She's, she's awesome. She's one of my good friends off the ice and on the ice for sure. And uh, playing with her last year, it was someone that I just needed. I, I couldn't, it was, there was no pressure. She was super fun, super amped up always during the game. And whenever I had a bad shift, she'd come back to be like, Hey, like, don't worry about it. Like you're good. You got it. And just always gave me that little confidence boost that I needed. And she just taught me to be so much more aggressive on the ice too. Like if you watch her, she's stepping up all the time with that big long stick and it's just making all the difference. And yeah, I just, she's been a huge um, asset to her team and she's continued to just grow her game even in these last couple of games, which is really exciting to see for her. And another player that's just been big for your team as well as Maureen Murphy. Offensively, she's been probably, I guess she's made such a huge step from her first year with the team to this year. Talk about what she's been doing, I guess, to kind of bring that offensive jump to her game, but also what is she like as a teammate, both on and off the ice, because I had her on the podcast last year. She seems yeah. like such a nice person, but also super humble as well, which I think is kind of a great quality about her. Yeah, no, she's definitely super humble and pretty quiet, but um, I love her. She's awesome. She's super happy, but um, I will say that there's no one that probably works harder than her. She does all the little things, whether it's going out, um, for skills before practice and doing those extra reps in the weight room, which is really awesome. And I just think she's started to take like a leadership role on the team, which I think has helped with her confidence on and off the ice. And I don't know, it's, it's been helping the team for sure. And it's something that I love too, because I think she has some very great insight, insight Sorry, when it comes to um, college hockey. So yeah, it's really exciting to see her grow and kind of progress into a really great leadership role for the team. What's been the best goal she scored so far this year? Like, what's your favorite? Because she's had so many. My yeah. favorite one was the one she scored against Holy Cross the opening night. Okay, yeah, that one was nasty. That one was super, super cool. Definitely in my top two, but her, it was probably her third goal, I think, in the St. Anselm game. I forget what she did, but she just, like, totally made the goalie just look like a complete fool and totally pulled her out of her net. And I was just like, a Because, like, she worked on that in – skills that week so I was just like wow like the coaches should be like freaking applauding that was beautiful <laughs> makes a lot of goalies look um like fools like you said yeah. and that's not like a bad thing if Maureen Murphy's doing that to you yeah oh yeah everyone just like hey like hats <laughs> off like you had no shot like it's fine <laughs> now one thing I want to ask you before we get to the non-hockey segment is we did a thing with you about body checking in women's hockey and I love the answer that you had but I just wanted you to elaborate a little more on that but I also want to ask you because I watched some of the game against Princeton and I know it was a penalty, but you had a pretty big check against someone in that game. And I wanted you to talk about it because I thought it was pretty awesome. Because no uh, one was hurt, obviously. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, no, I mean, I played boys hockey growing up. Um, I played my first year of Bantams, which was checking. And so I got really, really used to using my body to separate the player from the puck. And I really like that aspect of the game. Um, and I, I, I just think it would kind of add more to the game and would force players to keep their head up because if you like catch a puck on the half wall or even go into the corner and not do a shoulder check everything's going to be fine because no one can hit you 
but this allows you to, I mean, this forces you if you're getting, if you're playing in a contact league to keep your head up. And I think that would allow for probably better plays to be made because all the time your head's up because you don't want your head to be taken off. Um, I don't know. But I also like, I understand where also other people come from because I'm an undersized player in the league for sure. And I know that would kind of weed out some of those smaller girls with how physical the game could become. Um, but I don't know. I, I'm all for it, but um, I understand that it also just adds another aspect and opportunity for people to be injured, which obviously we don't want because there's mm-hmm. enough injuries as it is um, in women's ice hockey. But, um, but yeah, just to, I guess, elaborate on the Providence game, I just was having such a tough time in that game mentally, just getting tapped in. And I totally didn't mean to. I, it might have been Lindsay Bachna. But I gave the puck away and I was like, oh, crap, like I need to get it back. What am I going to do to like get it back? And I just totally just put my shoulder right into her chest. And it was so not OK. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I do remember that uh, very clearly. <laughs> well, I was also talking about the one against Princeton as well. Unfortunately, it was a penalty. But um, was that the biggest check you've ever thrown in a game? Because that, that was that was a pretty big hit. Um, Definitely. Definitely in my top five. I totally didn't mean to do that. And I know no mm-hmm. one would I said that but I like felt her on my back and I was just like I want to cut back so bad and then I tried mm-hmm. to cut back and kind of pulled like a PK Subban and just totally like hit her with my back and we both went down but I don't know it, it sounded so loud and it didn't feel as big as it looked but um mm-hmm. yeah that was definitely <laughs> up there for me yeah I think it was one of those hits where it like looked worse than it actually was because she was getting off like after that play happened she was laughing about it so it seemed yeah. like um it, was, it wasn't as big as it might have looked but no I totally agree with you just about the body checking aspect I think honestly maybe this is just me but I feel like it would add to the skill of the game because if you're heads up and you're more aware you have to kind of avoid those physical plays and I think that just makes you an all-around better skilled player which I think yeah. will help grow the game but also like I've said before on the podcast I just think it would make refereeing the game a lot more consistent which I think is sometimes lax in women's hockey because you get refs in certain conferences that are a little more strict on what's a body check and what's not a body check. And I feel like refereeing should be consistent across the board because I think that makes the game safer. Um, So that's why I personally believe it should be allowed. But I feel like if you would add it to it, it would have to start like in youth hockey and then teach those players how to check and take a check and then have those players once they get older implemented to high school hockey and then college hockey and then um, pros. Yeah, no, that's a that's a really great point um, with the refing being consistent. I think that's a huge thing and a huge kind of issue, at least we faced when we left Hockey East and went to play in the Frozen Fours. The refing was so different and everything that we would get called all the time on or we would be able to draw penalties from, it wasn't getting called. And so it, had, it made us have to kind of not really rely on our skill and to kind of bend our knees and get down and do the dirty work. But um yeah, I, and I also, too, just think, like, that's where injuries happen is when people aren't educated on how to throw a clean body check. So if you educate them young and you teach them and consistently kind of go over that, like, I, I think it could totally be added to the game in the future, which would be really fun to watch. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, it definitely will be because, you know, when you watch women's hockey, there's some plays I'm like, if this if checking were allowed, like, there would have been a big body check right there. So that's like something you definitely notice the differences when you see when checking's loud versus when it's not. For sure. Now we're now in a segment I like to call the non-hockey segment. Now this non-hockey segment is a little bit different from the last time I had you on the podcast, just because I found just random questions on the internet. So okay. hopefully um, these are kind of fun questions that help people kind of know a little bit more about yourself off the ice. 
So my first one is what sports moment do you think should have a documentary about it? And I would like to add, if you need some time to think about these um, questions, uh, feel free to let me answer and to give yourself some time to think about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, like, I don't know. Just to kind of think about myself personally, I think it, they should make a documentary on us losing in the Frozen Four and like what we're doing to kind of get back there and to get the different outcome. I don't know, I just think, like I say that because we have completely changed our routine. Our practices are way different than they were last year. And I don't know, I, I just think it would be really cool and be kind of like a on the road 24 seven like type of documentary, which would just be really cool. And I think kind of inspiring for sure. Yeah, that's a great answer because I wasn't, I didn't even think about that, but they did those 24 sevens yeah. teams before the winter classic and they don't do them anymore, but those things were awesome. Like, especially yeah. they did it with the Rangers one year. And I, I don't, I'm assuming you know who John Tortorella is, but just seeing yeah. behind the scenes of how intensive a coach he was. And I thought that was really cool to see. So no, that'll be cool to do a college hockey version of that. I just don't know with like, kind of like, I don't know. I feel like they couldn't give you full access just because I feel like there'll be some things that the school wouldn't want to show just for behind the scenes purposes. But yeah, I think it'll no. be cool nonetheless. Yeah. I think it'd be super cool. Like I watch those 24 sevens every year and I love to see like the different like personalities that all these players had. And it almost added to watching the winter classic. Cause I was like, Oh my God, like, mm -hmm. I really like you. You seem like a really cool guy. Like I hope you win. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think it'd be a really cool opportunity for people to, not only see how great we are in the weight room and on the ice, but also how great we are in the locker room and um, in the real world as people. Yeah, no, I think they should totally do a college hockey version. Yeah. Of that. I don't know why they don't like, they should do like a team every year though, like focus yeah. on one team each season for both men's and women's hockey. I think that'd yeah. be cool. Like, so like one year it's Northeastern men's and women's hockey. They have the documentary for the women's team and then one for the men's team. And then next year they do it for like, I don't know, like Cornell or someone like that. And then every year it's the switches with, each team i think that'll be cool yeah i would i would friggin watch it that sounds super cool <laughs> yeah so who would be like the biggest personality on in the in those documentaries if they did one about your team like who would be like one that like twitter will be talking about this one person from your team just because they do some crazy stuff um honestly i as much as she doesn't like to be in front of the camera or and I, she just totally avoids that i would say lena Mueller. she's just <laughs> honestly the most hilarious sweet person i've ever met and i just think audiences would just eat that up she's just so cute and so professional that it's just such an interesting combination that just is just a really cool person so i think yeah, yeah. <laughs> well i had her on the podcast this past year and yeah really great person off the ice yeah. which i think is something that people don't talk enough about alina when they talk about alina Mueller. so and then seeing her in the world championships i know she got hurt but uh she was just incredible in that tournament. And yeah. um, will she be ever, will she come back this year with Northeastern? Cause I know she's heading off to the Olympics or you're not sure about that. I'm not sure. I know that Switzerland has a different schedule for training than the U S and Canada does. Mm -hmm. So I want to say yes, just because I'm hoping she does, but um, I have not heard anything yet. Imagine if she like wins a medal and then comes back to Northeastern. So that's, that's pretty, that's, that should be a documentary on its own. Just about, oh, you know. Just kind of branch off and follow her to worlds and then come back. Yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be cool. No, I, another player I feel like would be interesting to see is Annie Fitzgerald. I had her on the podcast as well last year. She seems like such yeah. a cool person and that'd be cool to kind yeah. of see what she does um, off the ice as well. Yeah, no, she's, she's awesome. She's a great personality in the locker room, always full of energy, always cracking jokes. So yeah, she would be a really cool person to follow. 
Yeah, no, but those, yeah, no, now you brought back some great memories. I love those documentaries. They did one called Oil Change, which was about the oilers. I thought that was cool, but I'm assuming you remember this. They do the, they used NHL Network used to do these things called NHL 36, which would follow one player for 36 hours. They did one with Patrice Bergeron, but I remember they did one with Mike Richards, who was on the Kings at the time. I don't know if you saw those. I thought those were cool. Actually, actually, I vaguely remember those. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I think I kind of do. I I feel like I watched that one because I remember he was like in Manhattan Beach. And I was like, oh my God, like Mm -hmm. I'm so close there. But it's yeah. on YouTube. You can watch it for free now. But like he, oh, there's a, it's, he's like throwing the ball with his dog on Manhattan Beach. So no way. Mike That's Richards awesome. is a really cool person. Um, I don't know what he's up to now, but he was a great hockey player in my generation. Yeah, no, I'll definitely look look that up. That sounds really cool. <laughs> oh yeah, no. So that's a great, um, great, great documentary. Now, kind of getting back to the um, non hockey segment questions. But um, what's your favorite social media app? Um. I would probably say Snapchat. I am a horrible texter. Like I, people would probably attest to that. I just don't reply in a timely manner. And I just find Snapchat super easy. Just snap a picture of your face or whatever you're doing. And it's kind of just like, instead of um, communicating with words, just photos, which I think is really convenient for me. Cause I feel sometimes I just don't be on my phone. So it works for mm-hmm. me. Am I a weird person? Cause I don't have Snapchat and I'm 20 years old. Oh my God, no. There's a lot of my teammates that will take Snapchat breaks or just delete it all together. I just think like for me, that's my main form of communication. Mm -hmm. I don't really look at it as a social media platform. Like I don't really post on my story um, per se, but I just use that as iMessage. But no, you're not weird at all. If I like, if I had the patience to text, I would not have Snapchat. So no, you're not weird. (laughs) Yeah, no, because I've never had a Snapchat at all. Like I just never crossed my mind to download it. I just didn't feel like I needed it. So that's yeah. why I was just curious because I know a lot of people have one, but I just don't feel the need to get one at all. So, cause yeah, I have my message and all those other stuff. Oh, hundred percent. It's kind of just like a time waster too. Cause instead of like a message or like a co- messaging when like a conversation dies, I find like on Snapchat, it's like, Oh, like they Snapchat me back. I can Snapchat them back. And then mm-hmm. just like, okay, I've been on my phone for way too long. <laughs> What's the longest like streak you've had? I guess I know those yeah i don't know i had one for like 500 days um with one of my friends and then like wow. I, I broke my phone and then I, <laughs> I i was super sad but that was the longest streak for sure yeah no i know those are a big deal as well so no i never have i only have instagram and twitter and then youtube i think youtube's cool that'll probably be mine just because you can just watch cool videos yeah, yeah i've never I've never gone into YouTube, but all of my friends, like they like watch everything on YouTube. It's super useful. I've looked up a couple of times, like things, like problems I need to solve and stuff, but it, it is really cool. I think that's a great favorite person mm-hmm. uh, platform for sure. Now, what is one thing you wish more people knew about yourself besides obviously being a great hockey player? Um, I don't know, to be honest. <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like that's such a, I'm a pretty private person and I'm pretty reserved. I feel like for the most part. So, and I kind of like the idea that not many people know much about me, but probably, okay. If I could pick one, just that I have the cutest French bulldog puppies in the world and no one's dog is cuter than mine. So you can quote me on that, but mine are really cute. That would probably be like (laughs) the biggest thing. Yeah. Well, I don't have a dog, so I will say that's the cutest dog ever, even though I haven't seen it before. So, but uh, no, (laughs) 
I think I'm, I'm, I feel like, I don't know, I'm so boring. There's nothing interesting about me. So there really isn't anything like, like cool about myself that, um, someone, I guess like if you want to hang out with me, maybe, but, um, that's, I don't know. There's, I'm really boring person. Just watch sports. Play sport. Oh my God. That's not boring. Dude, you run this college hockey talk. Like I, like everyone knows like who you are, like what you do. That's pretty freaking cool and really impressive. So no, you are very interesting. So don't say that. I appreciate that. It means a lot. I don't think it's kind of weird because you're not in the locker room. So you don't know like how many people actually know about it, but that's kind of cool. I don't know how do players talk about it. I don't think, I don't really think about that. So. Oh, like I would like in the locker room, I was just like, Oh, like I'm doing podcasts. And so I was like, Oh, like which one? I was just like, Oh, like, like the college one. They're like, Oh, like college hockey talk. And I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, like I didn't have to say much. And they're like, Oh yeah. Like I was on there. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Yeah. Like I want to do that. So yeah. no, like everyone knows, trust me. Yeah, no, I've maybe, I don't know. I've had a few Northeastern women's hockey players on, so shout out to you guys. But uh, no, that's, uh, that's pretty cool. I never knew that. So thank you for telling me that. That's pretty oh, awesome. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next, next question is, um, how can you tell if someone has a sense of humor? Um, I just think if they are able to laugh at themselves, um, if they are confident in themselves and have the ability to kind of step back and be like okay like I will be the butt end of this joke and I will laugh and like I'll see that and just be like okay like you're probably funny like if you can laugh at yourself then I'm Mm -hmm. sure you have the ability to make other people laugh as well yeah and it's also awkward if like they take it too seriously sometimes and it's like (laughs) you can't say anything about it so no I I didn't see that for me it's kind of like if there's a good vibe I don't know how to describe it but when you meet someone you talk to them you're like exchanging yeah. jokes and you know that's kind of how you kind of how I tell it's just from the vibe I get from someone or just the conversation that I'm having with someone no 100% I, I also find like just to go off of that just like how easy it is for you to communicate with someone I find that like because being like to take it to a whole different kind of direction being like a stand-up comedian personality is super difficult and just like cracking jokes around your friends and stuff obviously isn't as nerve-wracking as that but like if you are someone that can communicate with anyone, like can make friends at any party, like any place you're at, usually like they're pretty funny because it's kind of it's kind of hard to be funny sometimes. And so that's something that I, I like I would for sure use. Yeah. Or like just being like, I don't know, like there's that part of it, like being funny, but also like there's people that aren't funny, but they can just be like c- cool people to talk to, if that makes yeah. sense. Like at a party, like that's what I try to do is just try to be, I don't know, a cool person to talk to, even though if I'm not saying anything particularly funny or interesting. It's just someone to talk to. So that's kind of like my thing with that. It's like just to be yeah. a good friend or obviously if you have, if you have some sense of humor that makes it better. So for sure. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Who's the funniest, I guess, stand-up comedian then since you mentioned that, I'm just curious. I don't know. Um, I'm blanking on his name right now, but I watched his documentary. Um, oh, Kevin Hart. I like watched his documentary and I was like having belly laughs. Like I was sitting by myself watching it. And I don't laugh like as easily as other people would, but I, I thought he was pretty funny for sure. And the the least offensive, because I know there's kind of a fine line now of mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, say and say. <laughs> yeah, no, I think, I don't know, sometimes it can be funny. Maybe this is just me when someone kind of knows like to toe the line a little bit, but not cross yeah. the line. I think that can be, that's kind of, I think that's a talent actually to um, do oh. that, so. That's, I think that's when someone can be really funny is when they know how to tell that line. But then there's also when you just go overboard where you're just being, I think, rude. So it's kind of like trying to tell that line. For sure. No, I completely agree with you. Definitely a talent. Now, if you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? Hmm. 
I um, went to um, Serbia one year, or one summer, sorry, and it was so beautiful. It was right on, I can't remember if it was the Adriatic Sea, I think it was, but it was so beautiful. And the people there were so nice and the food was delicious. Definitely if I could pick one where, one place to live, I would definitely choose there. Yeah, that's not a spot you kind of like pops in your head immediately about vacation. But yeah, that, I, I've never really heard of that. That seems, I got to look that up, see how cool it is. Yeah, I, my family, like Jovetic is Montenegrin. And so Montenegro is just borderline Serbia. And we spent like a lot of our time on like Serbian beaches. And so um, that's just something for me that's very unique and not something that everyone experiences. So that's why I picked it. <laughs> that's dope. That's dope. I think for me, since this is a very basic answer, but Boston, I'm from here. There's really? a lot of sports. I think it's a really cool city. has personality. I like I, Boston would definitely be my spot. But if I had to choose somewhere else, probably like Northern California, where there's like the Redwood Forest, I think that would be kind of cool yeah. to live there. Or um, like Palm Springs in California or Hawaii, like somewhere where the weather is nice most yeah. of the year. No, 100%. Hawaii would be unreal. I've never been, but the pictures are just absurd. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I want to visit. Yeah, no, I definitely want to visit too, but just that's a long flight and it's also very time consuming with um, the flights as well. So that's kind of like why it's a challenge for a lot of people to go there. Yeah, no, I 100% understand that. Now, what is your favorite road arena you've played in? You've gotten some, played in some cool ones. Um, hmm. I don't know, to be honest. I I would honestly want to say Boston College. Their arena is just so kind of NHL-like. And so with the lights and everything, it's so bright. And even their kind of, um, I don't know what you would call it, but their walkouts and like their previews of all the players. Just oh, that's really cool. cool. Yeah. And it kind of gives like a very big time feel. And it's kind of like, hey, like, mama, we made it type of vibe. But um, yeah, I would definitely have to say BC. And just the games too there have just been really memorable for me um so that's definitely one that I would pick for sure yeah for me I got I, I since I don't play college hockey I think the coolest arena I've been to is um Mullen Center at UMass that was a cool rank just because the atmosphere was really cool but everyone's told me Matthews is like the best arena in, in hockey so I definitely gotta go there at some point oh my god you totally have to come down Matthews is just so there's so much history and I don't know, just such a historical and like really cool facility with like a new jumbotron. So definitely, you definitely have to come to men's pack the rink all the time. And it's just so loud. It's such a cool environment. I don't know if I'll be able to do this, but I I, I need to be in the doghouse though. That's the thing. Like that yeah, would be so fun. I want to do that. You should reach out to them. I should maybe make a video with them. I don't know if they're listening, but I'll tag them in the, uh, when the podcast comes out and see if they would um, let me do that when fans come back. That'll be fun. Yeah, that'd be super cool. Definitely, definitely do that. They seem pretty ruthless, though. I will say that. Like, I'm a big UK <laughs> hockey fan. Oh, yeah. And some of the signs and chants they have, they seem, like a, they seem like they have some cool stuff to come up with, but they also seem pretty ruthless with it, too. Yeah, yeah. No, they're definitely creative. I'll, I'll give them that. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. If the doghouse is listening, um, love to come out to a game and kind of hear you and the men's team on as well. That'll be pretty fun. So um, we'll see if that can happen this year. Sure. Yeah. Now, who was your favorite non-hockey athlete? Hmm. I don't know. I probably have to say Serena Williams. Mm -hmm. I don't watch a ton of tennis, but I did 
write a essay on elite athletes and I mentioned her and through my research of her I learned a lot of cool things and I just think she's such a powerhouse and such an inspiration for women um, not only on with her performance on the court but also off the course or court um, just with her as a person being someone that has continued to fight for equal rights within um, men's and women's athletics so it's just someone that I've always grown up kind of looking up to for sure. Now, if the food is bad at a restaurant, would you say something or just let it be? Oh, never. I would, I would pretend I would smile. I would eat it. Or <laughs> else's. Like I wouldn't, I would, I would never dare. I feel like that's kind of rude, mm-hmm. but I, I don't know. I just would never do that. <laughs> I think if it's fixable, I w- might say something like if I have a steak that's like undercooked, I would tell him like, Hey, cook this a little longer. But if it's like the food's just not great, I'm assuming the rest of the food's probably not great. So I wouldn't say anything and just kind of suck it out. Sure, just go and like get a burger afterwards. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, if you had the world's attention, attention for 30 seconds, what would you say? I don't know. Oh my God, that's a hard one. I would just scream like, hey, like watch like women's athletics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're really cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good one. I don't know what I would say. Probably something selfish, like to watch, listen to college hockey talk or something like that. Like yeah. nothing like inspirational, but maybe yeah. like uh, the most inspirational thing I can think of is like control what you can control and just kind of live in the moment because obviously with today, things can change so quickly. So it's yeah. kind of like, don't waste time kind of worrying about stuff that you can't control just because it's just going to make you more stressed and anxious and something I need to work on. Like I'm not perfect about it myself, but I think that's something that I think other people should hear, especially in a time like this. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I think that's, that would be obviously huge for everyone to hear. hear. Um, but yeah, no, I agree. Being anxious is hard though. And I, I completely get it and props to you. Like it's something that I feel like everyone's working on, but never would like admit it. But um, yeah, no, like I, I agree. I think that's great. Well, I'm a huge germaphobe and this pandemic has made that thing like to another level just because, yeah. So that's the kind of my thing. Like there was this lady like coughing one time and I was just like, I'm not going to go anywhere near you. So it's stuff like that, but I'm trying to avoid and be more like, I guess, normal in those situations. So, but it's definitely a challenge and something that, I know a lot of people deal with so, but uh, no, it's definitely something to work on for me, which I'm trying my best to. Hundred percent. No, I think that's awesome. Just trying to better yourself. Mm-hmm. It's just awesome. it's a quality that everyone should possess. Yeah, no, humans aren't perfect, so you gotta work on some things every day. It's not like someone's gonna. It's not like I feel like people try to make themselves like seem like everything's fine when when things aren't. Sometimes so I think it's kind of good to recognize that and kind of just. Um, know that no one's perfect and like it's a, it's not a bad thing to work on little things to make yourself feel better i guess no i completely agree with you now what is one recent trend that you can't stand and i have an answer for this if you need to think for for you um honestly i just find right now people just like or women more specifically and again this could be totally unpopular opinion but some of the clothes it's just like it's like a rag or just like a sheet of material. And it's just like, I personally do not find that attractive attractive, or necessarily like sexy. Like I'm sure it would appeal to some men, but I don't know. Like I just, I, I, I just think sometimes it's, I think things 
that are a mystery, like is almost viewed in a more attractive way. But that's just a trend. Like I, I know there's like matching sets that like just are very scandalous. And I just like, I personally would not kind of take part in that trend and props to the girls that do, but that's something that I don't love. <laughs> yeah. I can't say anything about that. Cause I don't think I've seen that before. Is it like wearing like, like actual metal or something like something like weird or is it just no, like, it's like, it's like these tiny little like skirts and like, oh, tiny yeah, made for, like the smallest amount of like fabric. And it's just like, what are you doing? Like, we're mm-hmm. not like cave people anymore. Like put on a top lady. Yeah. Yeah, no, I have I have no comment on that just because I know nothing yeah. about female fashion. But uh, I think for me, and this is, might be another uncontro- unpopular opinion, is the bing bong trend. I don't, I'm assuming you've heard that. I, it was funny at first, but I feel like now it's just kind of annoying. But that's yeah. just my opinion because I'm a grumpy um, Bostonian. Yeah, no, hey, I completely agree. It was funny for like the first two days of practice and after I was like, okay, hey, <laughs> what Joe Byron has to say. Like, bing bong, yeah. thank you. Thank you. Bye. Yeah. So just heard so many people say, it, and I know it's going to continue for a few more oh, months and it's just yeah. going to bother me even more. Yeah, no, I, I, I feel you there. It's, it's annoying. Yeah, no. So that's, that, I've never seen that, but um, who has the best style, I guess, on the Northeastern women's hockey team? Has it changed? Cause I feel like you have the best style on the team, but like <laughs> who else besides yourself? And like, do you get any inspiration from any of your teammates as well? And then another thing I would like to add before I get to your answer is College Hockey Talk, I'm assuming you've seen this, is doing pregame fits of the week. And I haven't seen Northeastern post anything, so I don't know if they're a social media person or if the Northeastern social media person listens to this, but please post those outfits because we want to showcase them. But also at the end of the season, whoever has the best pregame fit of the season wins the best style, has has the best style of college hockey that year, and we don't want to leave your team out. So No, I appreciate that. No, I definitely saw that. And I always am just like, why is like my team not there? Mm-hmm. We're definitely a super drippy team. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'll have to talk to our social media lady, but that would be super cool. But um, to go back to your first question, I think Sky Fontaine would have to have the best style. She's totally, not that last year, like last year I would walk in as a freshman and just be like, wow, like I hope like when I'm in my senior year, like I dress like that. But this year she just like ramped it up. She has like the coolest pants and like the coolest little booties. And she'll always like have like an accessory of some kind, like whether it's like kind of like a furry like coat or like a leather jacket or like a really cute hat or headband. But um, I always look at her, I'm just like, wow, like, I'm going to, like, try to, like, put together an outfit similar to yours and not tell you that. But, um, yeah, she's definitely a style and uh, inspiration for all of us. She seems like she's probably, like, super low-key about it, too. Like, just dresses, like, that's how she always dresses. Like, doesn't, like, make a big deal out of it, which I think makes it cooler. Oh, 100%. I'll just be like, oh, my God, you look so great. And she'll just be like, what? Like, what do you mean? <laughs> I'm like, honey, like you're wearing like literally like furry loafers. Like you look so good. <laughs> yeah. I guess since you're talking about female fashion, well, who has the best style on the men's side of things? Because I feel like I need to improve my style game. I wear a lot of sweatshirts, but I've been trying my best. I've, I've bought some cool pants, which I'm excited to show off. Um, yeah, no, that's awesome. New clothes are awesome. But um, yeah, on the men's team, the men dress, dress really well. Um. I would probably say Bazo on the men's team. He is a little bit older, but just kind of has this, like, I don't even know. It's just, like, he's always just wearing, like, clothes that fit him very well and always, like, a fun pattern. Um, but even on his Instagram, too, like, his outfits are super cool and super yeah. bougie. I would definitely have to say him for sure. 
Yeah, no, it's kind of harder for the men just because, like, they have to wear the same stuff every game. Like, at least for your, your team, you have a little more freedom of, like, what you can wear before a game. So, yeah. but I, there's some guys that can pull it off. So, shout out oh, to them. So, I'm trying to improve my style of game. So, if you have any tips for me, feel free to let me know because I'm doing the best. Yeah, oh, yeah, for sure. I'll watch the men walk in and then I'll just send you a list. Hey. All right. I appreciate that. I, I, I might need that, especially, um, yeah, for, since the Frozen Four is coming to Boston, you know, I'm going to be at that game hopefully. So, yeah, um, I need to look good. Oh yeah, I need to look good. I need to look good. So That's no, good. I've been trying my best. That's all I will say about that. Now, kind of back to some hockey questions. Um, my first one is, who is the most underrated player in women's college hockey? Because I feel like you've played with and against so many players that you might have a good answer for that. I'm just curious about your opinion. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think. Yeah, there's. Um, I played with a lot of really great girls. I think Gillis Rochette is super underrated, and I know you've mentioned that before, but just playing against her and just watching how much she does kind of behind the scenes, um, like she's like definitely heavily relied on for that team, but I just think she's never really gotten the recognition that I feel like she deserves. I know her off the ice, and she's a wonderful person, um, but all that like aside, like she's an unreal hockey player, and I, I don't know, I just I think she's super underrated for sure. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I had her sister on the podcast before, a great family. But, yeah, no, she's totally a great, great hockey player. And I think she was one of the pregame look, players to look out for in the game against you, the game that you played against um, yeah. Cornell Furnessen, yeah. which I thought was cool. Yeah, for sure. No, yeah, that was, um, that was her. Yeah, no, so for me, it'd probably be – I think Kat Stockdale doesn't get enough recognition from UConn. I think she's a great player and provides yeah. a lot of – just a lot of energy for that team, but also can score – put the puck behind the net and and kind of I think flies on the radar a lot so that's a player that I like watching yeah we um we used to actually we both lived in Ottawa at the time and we played on rival teams or she was also best friends with one of my really good friends and she's just like an awesome person and just works so hard like playing against her she's one of those players that just gets underneath your skin and is so physical that she's like so hard to play against but I agree with you she brings the energy and 100% underrated now, what were your thoughts on the podcast that we last had you on? I'm just curious to ask you this. I apologize if I seem nervous. I sometimes do that occasionally, so my apologies. But it was cool getting to interview you. You're one of my favorite players, but I don't know if you had the chance to listen to your pod. I was just curious to hear what you had to say about it. No, thank you. And you did not You did not seem nervous at all. I thought you led a very awesome professional uh, interview, um, which is a huge reason why I wanted to come back because I really enjoyed that, and I thought it was super cool. Um, but yeah, I, I had no idea that it was screen recorded. So I was, I just thought like you'd post something. It would just be like my voice memo or something. Mm -hmm. So when I like looked to see it was my actual face, I was shocked. I guess I should know, like when you do like a recording in process, like I would think that it's like being recorded, but that was one thing that I learned from the podcast. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it was awesome. I enjoyed coming on last time. Like I said. Yeah, no, I apologize. I guess I should let, no, I should no, let you know that. But you, you look great, so I didn't I didn't think um, the, the video looked bad at all. Thank you. I just I literally got out of the shower, like put a hoodie on, and I was like, all right, let's do this. <laughs> so no, I, I apologize. I should have let you know that. But no, I like uh, putting it on YouTube just because it's cool to watch them sometimes. Um I will occasionally go back to some old ones and watch them. So trust me, I have a lot of embarrassing moments that you can find on the YouTube channel. So don't um don't don't be embarrassed about it at all. I thought you did great. Thank you. No, thank you. I appreciate it. 
Now, like you said, there's a lot of, is there any guests that we should have on from the future from players you used to play with or people in Northeastern? I'm trying to, I'm just curious if there's anyone that we should have on the pod that would be kind of cool to hear from. Yeah. Um, I think just to go off of, I was thinking about this question. Um, I would love to see kind of like a duo on the podcast. I feel like you haven't done that yet and it'd be really cool. And the people that I would pick would be Katie Sipra and Kate Holmes. They're really good friends and also played a little bit together. And I think they would really provide some really funny stories and some cool insight into the Husky team and just them as people and players. Oh yeah, no, I definitely should do more of that. It's just hard because on Zoom, um, I feel like sometimes the connection can make that seem there's a lot of awkward pauses that happen and it would be much better to do it in person actually because it can feel like you're in the room with them and kind of have that conversation so I definitely have I've tried it a few times and it's worked fine but it's definitely something I want to do more of when you can do in-person interviews again which um, I hope will happen sooner rather than later yeah no for sure I I completely understand that and I agree in-person interviews would probably be the best but um, I know it's so difficult right now with everything that's going on in the world well, do you have anything else you'd like to kind of add to your um, to this interview? I know we usually do shout outs, but uh, if there's anyone you want to shout out in this podcast, feel free to do that. But if there's anything you want to say, feel free to do that as well. Um, yeah, um, I'd probably just shout out you. Um, I don't you. think you know how much of an impact you have on all of uh, the college hockey players that you've interviewed and how much we love coming on the podcast. You make us feel super cool and just to keep doing what you're doing and you're awesome you're a great interviewer and you make us feel super comfortable and you make it really easy to come on and talk about um hockey and ourselves so thank you and yeah again i've really enjoyed coming on the podcast for the second time and i look forward to the people you interview and all the things you accomplish in the future well thank you so much for the kind words lily i'm blushing thank you it means a lot (laughs) to me but no i'm a big college hockey fan and it's fun getting the chance to interview you guys and no, it means so much to come on the podcast just because I never thought so many people would come on the podcast. So it's really, I'm really truly am thankful and blessed that, you know, that you guys come on and have a good time. You know, I try my best to do the best I can. So I really appreciate the kind words. It means a lot to me. So thank you for that. Oh my God. Yeah. Anytime. I mean it. <laughs> so no, but hopefully we'll get you back on the podcast um, after the season, third time, most featured guests on the podcast. That'll be a cool title for you to have, but um, <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll, I'll reach out to you, I guess, at the end of the season, but thank you so much, Lily, for coming back on the podcast. I really appreciate it. It means so much to myself. Uh, you're a great hockey player. Everyone knows that, but you're also a very great person as well. And I just want to let you know that um, it's fun talking to you and, I love hearing your perspective on the game and um, thank you so much for just um, helping me out with the podcast and coming on. It really means a lot to me. So shout out to you, Lily. Um, you're the best. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. That means a lot to me. I really appreciate those kind words. Thank you so much for listening to today's interview of College Hockey Talk. If you want to check out our older interviews, make sure to do that. You can do that on the Apple Podcast page, Spotify account, or our YouTube channel where you can watch many different interviews from this podcast. Make sure you follow our social media accounts at College Hockey Talk, and I'll see you guys next time with another great interview. But until then, take care and have a great day. Bye.